dig it. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of the Macho Movie Man podcast, and another episode in our Scooby-Doo series, the Wapod's new Scooby-Doo, episode three, Scooby-Doo and the Alien Invaders. What were the first two episodes? Uh, that'd be uh, Zombie, Zombie Island and Witch's Ghost. Oh, okay. Yes. We're covering specifically that popular 90s era, late 90s, early 2000s era revival that gave Warner Brothers the bizarre idea that a live action movie would work. And And it did. It worked for the meme. It worked for the meme and for our generation. Uh, but yes, did, so... Did they make money? Like, box office-wise? I mean, they... The live actions. They, they fucking raked it, I mean, no? yeah, I mean, okay. they made two. Yeah, it was the 2000s, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, welcome to today's guest, our resident correspondent, Mr. Owen Hilson. Hey, it's a pleasure to be back. Back for the first time in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the show's kind of been on hiatus for kind of a little while before we started this mini-series. It, you know, I took a break from it last year. You know, yeah, health and job and whatnot. But, Glad um, to be back on the show, though. Exactly, we are back. It's exciting stuff. Ex- absolutely, very exciting. I'm glad to have you on here. I, I was... I had you pegged for Alien Invasion the minute I came up with this series idea. I appreciate that. Yes. I really do. Because <laughs> I'm like, I can't have Brennan on Alien Invaders and the first live action. That would be too much. Yeah, no, you can't have that much Brennan. No. I mean, in fairness, he did... St- uh, thanks once again, a thank you to Brennan for being on the last episode. <laughs> he stepped in when Dean was not physically able to carry it by himself. <laughs> Half that episode was just... Dean, oh god, Dean, are you okay? Because he kind of gets up from his hungover slumber and we're just kind of like, don't vomit while we're recording. I, re- I respect it. I respect that he yes. was in studio regardless. I, we met, me and Brendan made the joke, um, <laughs> it's insane how literally Brendan, the first episode me and you did together, we made, we made a joke about Dean being an alcoholic, which is not true, by the way. He's not an alcoholic. He's a good but boy. literally by this episode, he is performing deeply hungover. But anyway, Scooby-Doo and the Alien Invaders. Uh, the, the final film in... We're covering... Uh, we're also doing Cyber Chase after this, but I don't count that as part of this trilogy because Cyber Chase feels too different. I don't, I don't like Cyber Chase as much. It's still a romp, but I, it, you're right. Yeah. It doesn't feel like the others. It's a different no. studio? No, I think... Well... Well, I, Mook did all four, I think, but Cyber Chase just feels too different in terms of, like, even what the what, what kind of horror it's based on. I don't even think it would even classify as that. Yeah. It feels more like a video game than, like, these movies that kind of take different Americana horror ideas. Yeah. Like, like the first one was Louisiana, Bayou. And they really or... did a good job of, like, the zombie lore with that. And there was cat people? Yes. Nice. And then, obviously, Witch's Ghost was Salem Witch Trials, Massachusetts. Girls. And Tim Curry. Yes. 
Tim Curry, which I, we it's, all, it's we not Laszlo like Ravencroft, it's who? What was uh, it? Benjamin Ravencroft. Benjamin Ravencroft. Totally not the vil- totally not a villainous sounding name at all. Uh, yeah, it was like, literally, you, how does, how, we, we were saying this, like, it's such a blatant, like, of course he's the villain. He's played by Tim Curry and he has that name. No, I fully agree. I think they stole... Okay, maybe it's just... Maybe Ravenscroft is just a name and it wasn't stolen for what we do in the shadows. Maybe it's actually just a person's yeah. name. Never mind. But it also... It just feels super witchy. So, like... It does. It feels like Vincent Price came up with it, I think. Yes. It feels like what a character played by Vincent Price would be called. Exactly. Yes. Um, so, yes. Obviously, let's, get, let's start uh, discussing this movie. Um, so it's directed by Jim Stenstrom, who previously had directed, uh, Ailey, um, obviously the previous two, Zombie Island and Witch's Ghost, and he's also the director on Cyber Chase, so he is, uh, he is the staple of this whole, I don't even want to call it a quadrilogy, but like this trilogy and the yeah. next film. Uh, he's, he's director on all of them, so he is kind of the glue holding this thing together because as we noted previously uh witch's ghost had a lot more of a stressful and troubled production than zombie island Mm -hmm. had um cast we've got scott innes coming back as scooby and shaggy uh don messick passed away in 96 he'd been the original voice of scooby since 1969 well he'd also he'd retired from the role uh, a year or about I think like 94 and then he passed in 96 so it's like yeah we're gonna need a new voice for Scooby so Scott Innes stepped in from Zombie Island onwards and um, he also voiced Shaggy in Witch's Ghost because Billy West had done Shaggy's voice for Zombie Island mm-hmm. uh, but Witch's Ghost came out in 1999 and Billy West was quite busy that year because that was the year Futurama debuted. That and would make him busy. the voice of Fry and about a dozen other characters. Yeah, I'm not even going to try and guess because people are going to tell me I'm wrong, which is yeah. true. But, but he's, <laughs> he's Fry, so it's like, yeah, no, it's not like... Because they had, like, Tress McNeil as one of the characters in Witch's Ghost. Yeah. Uh, but, like, she didn't have as many... She didn't have as many, like, responsibilities on... Few dramas Billy West did, so I can, so I can tell. Yeah, they they got him in for they got her in for like one day, but like Billy West probably would have needed to get like, two or three days. Yeah, so Scott Innes t- was playing both Scooby and Shaggy. So he does those a good, scenes good job. I did not notice. <laughs> yes, he's very good in that regard. He is very good. I know he 100% recorded the lines separately, but I love the idea of him just having this, like, back and forth with himself in the recording studio. <laughs> uh, you've got Mary Kate Bergman as Daphne. Uh, she's, she was a voice actress um, in a bunch of other things. Um, Frank Welker. The Fred li- Jones. The Living Legend. Literally, if, like, we said this last time, if any animated movie out there needs any kind of animal sound, he gets a call. Look up his IMDb. It is okay. the longest thing in the world. I'm... He has so many credits. 
Oh my god. 897. Yeah. And, and that's that's just as an actor. He also did 19 as a, in sound departments. <laughs> yeah, he basically... He's been the voice of Fred since 1969. No one else has voiced him, I think, outside of that, like, Scoob movie they did a couple years ago. Yeah. Um... You've got BJ Ward as Velma. She voices Velma for all four of these animated films that we're covering for this series. Um, you have Jeff Bennett as Lester. What The role you probably best know him as, and people of our generation would know him as, I'm going to tell you this before you look him up. Evil Dr. Hamsterville. Oh, shit. Yeah. From, from the Lilo Show. Yeah. Goddamn. Hamsterville. Hamsterville. I need to know. And like just a, again, like these are all like voice actors. So like, what have you seen them in? You haven't seen them in anything, but Wait. you have heard their voices in so many different that things. That is untrue. I saw him in Friday the 13th Part 7, apparently. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> and in Enchanted. But that's he, a, he's a, voice. a voice. He's a voice. Johnny Bravo. I think he was a voice in that too. Yes. Um, um, you've got Jennifer Hale coming back for her second consecutive film in this series. She voiced, I believe, the main Thorn, the main hex girl. Shit. Yeah, yeah. She plays Dottie. Uh, obviously, Jeff Bennett plays Lester. Um, you've got Mark Hamill as Steve, the one of the guys in the uh, watch control room. The the alien the. The what's the name of the thing? The um, the alien investigating tower. He's mm-hmm. he plays he plays one of the scientists. Okay, cool. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought you meant in real life, and I was like, I don't think we have one, man. I no, just, as much as I wanted. <laughs> you were looking at me like, is he having a stroke? <laughs> you know the alien investigation tower. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, no need to go into like what Mark Hamill has been in. Yeah, no, is. they uh... Is. uh, Candy Milo as Crystal, um, Kevin Michael Richardson as Max, another one of the scientists. A little bit of a Lilo and Stitch reunion. Uh, he plays uh, Goompa. Whom? I can't. I haven't. I cannot vaguely believe. describe this alien to me, and I will tell you. The the main evil alien henchman in Lilo and Stitch. Is it Chumba? I can't. Bre- Brennan's going to be listening. Brennan is going to be looking at this. Gantu. Gantu. Yes. When this episode drops, uh, Brennan's still going to be listening to and just like Gantu, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. He's going to get what's so. Going on? What's... <laughs> It's Gantu, motherfuckers! Just on a bus. It's fucking Gantu! <laughs> you fools! Not Jumba! He's the other sketchy alien. <laughs> He's the other beefcake. Uh, Neil Ross plays both Ser- Sergio and Buck, so his job is to be the Red Herrings. Ah. Uh, Neil Ross, who had previously been in uh, Witch's Ghost as the mayor, who's... Uh, New England accent was fucking incredible. I kind of said it's it's a shade or two. It's it's in that Mayor Quimby zone of like, 
holy shit, this is like a Kennedy impression, like, on drugs. Oh, that's beautiful. We need more of them. And then you've Audrey Waslewski as Laura. I I definitely butchered that pronunciation. She's another one of... She's another one of the scientists. Uh, so pre-production. Okay. So after Witch's Ghost proved to be a very troublesome production on account of tensions between the studio and the creatives because they gave absolutely no leash whatsoever to the creative team behind Zombie Island and that turned into turned out to be a rip-roaring success. So obviously because it's Warner Brothers, they're like, hey, what do you want to do with the sequel? Do you want to tighten that leash or do you want to just... Let them do exactly what they did the last time. They was tre- tremendously successful. Mm-hmm. So they chose to be assholes. And kind of just like push in. Like, oh, these are writers from live action. Do you want... We're going to make... We're going to put them on the team. You don't have a say in this. So that caused tension. Yeah. Um, and, be- and after Witch's Ghost, uh, the studio kind of realised... Okay, well, we we can make these movies and they're going to turn a profit for us no matter what. So we're not going to get involved. They were just kind of like, this. we're going to make money off of these regardless whether we <laughs> we put the effort in to let these guys do what they want or whatever. So they definitely t- loosened their grip on them a good bit for this. So you're telling me the studio turned around and went, kids, you're 8 and 10 years old now. I can't be fighting all your battles for you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because they were just, because with Witcher Ghost, they were like, you got to tone down the scary horror. Even though that's what made um, Zombie Island successful. Yeah. But at this point, they were kind of just like, well, okay, well, we toned it down and it still made money, so screw it. Just do what you want. It's mm. Scooby-Doo. It's going to print us money, mm-hmm. regardless. Um, uh, Glenn Leopold, who had been one of the head writers on uh, Zombie Island and who had been kind of pushing for the idea of what if the monsters were real mm-hmm. element, which is... What kind of brought this kind of whole trilogy to promise in terms of, like, the Scooby-Doo canon? I think that concept in the Scooby-Doo lore just sort of, like, fucked me up in terms of believing in crazy bullshit for the rest of my life. Yes, I feel like (laughs) this trilogy was just a very seminal part of Owen-ness. Yeah. Although, I actually don't really remember watching them as a kid. I remember binging them all in COVID because the housemates were all like, you you don't remember the Scooby-Doo quadrology? I mean, I distinctly <laughs> remember at some point during that two-year win period of COVID, me and you just in this exact room watching videos about old Scooby-Doo. Yeah, no, I went on a binge. Yeah, specifically that like bizarre comic series that's like post-apocalyptic. Oh, Oh, yeah, I actually totally spaced on that. Which would have been a better, let's do something different with Scooby-Doo than Velma was. And I'm very proud of it, that we got three episodes into this goddamn series before someone mentioned Velma. It'll be the last, it'll be the last mention of that show. I want to say, when, when all the hate started coming out online, I was like, I think people are being dicks. And then after, like, the hate just didn't stop after, like, a couple weeks. I was like, how bad is it? I still haven't given it a shot. I've seen clips. I've seen clips, but also I don't... Yeah, I don't have the Clips can feel cringe out of context. Yeah. But but also also it might just be cringe. Yeah, it's one of those things (laughs) where it's like, I should look at it just for a point of view, but like, I don't want to. Yeah. 
Someday, ah, um, oh, we we should we me and you should try and do an episode on Velma. Oh, good lord. Um, but yeah, so he was so he was the it was his brainchild to make the monsters real. He fought for that, um, and then on Witch's Ghost, the studio weren't particularly kind to him. Like he kind of lost out on some residuals because they kind of pushed him out to to the side a bit so he earned back um a residual residuals for it by getting a story credit for this one okay so like he kind of he got a lesser story credit on witch's ghost so mm-hmm. he kind of lost some money on that and he got that money back through his credit on this one even though he didn't contribute as much to it as he did the previous two um, like in the like with Rich's ghost, he led the kind of rewrite of the third act so that there actually was a ghost mm. as opposed to oh, it's just the the locals uh doing this for a tourist scam. Yeah. Uh so like so his contributions were small but very valuable. He suggested that it be set in like the deserts of like, you know, Nevada, southwestern yeah. You know, that Area 51 region. Which I think really, like, adds such a, like, specific aesthetic to the film that really That's... separates it from, like, the other two. I really yeah. like that they're, like, in very, like, distinctly different locations. Yes. I think it made the whole series have, like, such a, like, defined feel as opposed to, like, you know what, like, the shows how, like, you kind of go through different towns and you, you honestly couldn't tell the difference between yeah. the fucking towns because they're all vaguely swampy and spooky. And they all have an amusement <laughs> park. Yeah. Like, all good run-down towns. <laughs> yes. Uh, whereas this is like, oh, you, you crossed a state line or two. Yeah. You know, because, like... It's ob- a bigger budget. Yeah, it, like, obviously you can tell it's Louisiana when it's the swamps. You can tell it's New England when it's, you know, the autumn kind of leaves and shit. Yeah. And then here you can tell it's Nevada, arizona E. Yeah, I feel like they really fell into, like, the... UFO pop culture and like what we want to like what the audience would want to see yes in terms of like um uh, and it was his last involvement with uh, Scooby-Doo period he hasn't if you look up his IMDb he's the only other Scooby-Doo related credit he has is uh Return to Zombie Island but that's just a kind of based on story by yeah just that kind of thing like well it's a direct sequel to it so obviously you have to credit uh the folks who came up with the original um but yeah so let's get into notes because as i said this is very there wasn't much to the pre-production um and then we're going to talk about some of the more things that kind of fit more into post-production afterwards Mm -hmm. so notes uh, it opens and you can definitely tell it's the early two. It's 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 the very early two thousands by the kind of three D animated opening, uh, with and then two D afterwards mm-hmm. just because like the whole the camera pan type of thing very very recess schools out vibes. Oh, I kind of like that. I do too. It, it has that sort of like two D three D vibe. Yeah. Where they try and like merge them a bit. But it's like they don't have the budget to make it look as like seamless as they did. Like yeah. like in Aladdin, you can't really tell that like the cave of what the escape from the cave of wonders is three D, anime is is it's well it's I it's, didn't know that actually. Well it's it's like, <laughs> well it's it's computer animated mixed with then kind of the yeah. hand drawn, but like, 
if you don't know, you don't notice it until you, unless you're like mad into animation and or like you kind of know in advance like with like how the production is yeah uh but like here it's very much like oh this looks different to how the rest of the film is but again it's a prod it's a moment it's a moment in time that kind of moved out of fashion when all everything just kind of started becoming 3d animated yeah you know like this this is this is getting into that period of like well, the other studios have abandoned it, but only Disney is doing hand-drawn, and, like, that'll be done by the end of this decade. Yeah. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Absolutely. This is the same year as Dinosaur. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Oof. Um, and, and you can, like, you can tell it's going for sci-fi immediately because the, the whole opening has that Star Trek riff music. <laughs> yes. Like the sort of synth sounds? Yes, yes, and like in fairness, because I watched I watched it on like um a, a a version I found online. I'm I'm not gonna give sites away because you know. <laughs> no, that was just terrifying because you just had your entire mouth on it. I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> It's fine. Just yes. brush over brush it. it over. Brush it over. We don't pirate movies in this house, is oh. the point. Well, I didn't pirate it. I just found a site that it was on. You know? I think that's piracy, buddy. I think, I think that's crimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I see someone listen to those uh, really dramatic ads on DVDs back in the day. You wouldn't steal a handbag. You wouldn't. Pirate a film. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't shoot a police officer, <laughs> and then shit in his hat, and then bring his hat to his missus, <laughs> and give her the hat. Oh God. Um, but yeah, and then but uh, but kind of it just immediately jumps into that kind of planet constellation stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, whoa. So it's just it's out of nowhere. So like. Maybe the DVD has, like, the, old, the Warner Brothers logo at first, but, like, mm-hmm. if you watch it without the logo, that kind of really jumps out. You're like, Jesus, it's yeah. the same thing. Um, I do think there's something hilarious about the inciting incident literally just being someone ran off with a Scooby snack. Yeah. Like, oh. it's, like, you know, all the other episodes is, hey, we're, we've arrived in this town. Or, like, the previous two had started with, like, them actually break, uh, solving a case. Yeah. Or again, and the first, or the first one being like they've all gone their separate ways, and so everyone comes back together, but not in a you know this live action movie version where they all hate each other. It's just like now everyone's friends, but it's just they've gone their separate ways, which I, is kind of better. I think that's much better. Yeah, I yeah. think it shows them kind of growing up a bit more naturally and like less dramatically, which yeah. is kind of fun. Plus, it gave me that uh, what I still think is the best line delivery of this entire podcast season so far on Zombie Island when Scooby and Shaggy get fired from uh, the airport security Mm -hmm. uh, because they've eaten all the food Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they're just like, there's some Gorgonzolas in the fridge. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) now the guy, their boss comes in sounding like literally the most Jim Gordon from Batman person to ever live. And he's just like, you're a couple of Gorgonzolas. You're fired. 
That will that will be my favorite line in any animated film ever. I need you to just start throwing that around willy nilly. Uh, you're a couple of gorgonzolas. Yeah. Yes. Um. But yeah, and so basically. But here it's just like they're just driving, and you know they crash. They they crash and then Scooby and Shaggy don't want to leave the mystery machine because they're spooked. So yes. the rest of the gang go off without them. And this and they have a Scooby snack and like a jackalope runs off with it. Oh yeah, I forgot about the like jackalope in it. And then throughout the rest of the episode, people are like, they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> I will have a I will give out about Fred doing something later on that is kind of similar to that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so basically this whole thing starts because a jackalope runs off with a Scooby snack until they run bump into an a al- couple aliens. Which is weird even for this series. <laughs> but uh but I do but the but yeah, so they bump into the aliens and then we get the uh, the rendition of the theme. Mm-hmm. Uh I always leave it till the end of the episodes to say who made the song. Well who sang the song because this one doesn't have that banger that like the previous two had. Yeah. Like the previous two had like a song in it that's just like, damn, that's a good song and this movie kinda doesn't it's not memorable. Yeah. It's not Terror Time and it's not the Hex Girls. I'm going to be honest with you. I watched it two days ago and I'm like, cannot think of the fucking theme yeah. song. <laughs> Same. Like, I can't... Well, uh, well, like, there's the theme song, which is just a scooby dooby doo where are you? Yeah, yeah, but the... But yeah, like, the actual movie. song that was, like, written for specifically this movie, it's not really memorable. But, um... Yeah, and so basically, they run into the aliens, they escape the aliens, the aliens are on their little bikes... Which are kind of funny. The little hover bikes chasing <laughs> yes, them. The yeah. <laughs> which also is the most two thousands view of the future is like shit's got a hover, man. Yes. It, Fly um, no, just just a foot or two off the ground. They're they're gonna be like if a Segway fucked a very fancy looking fountain at a mall. Exactly. Yes. Um, uh, and then they event they make it to they make it to the town and they meet some of the locals. You've got. You know the 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 waitress and the owner at the diner who don't really factor in to like the finale. So they're just kind of there to kind of make it seem red there's herrings. something. Yeah, there's something yeah. off about these towns, but like they're the red herrings that don't get like any kind of closure. Like why are they acting this suspiciously? Where like the mechanic got a reason why. Can he you just wait? Can you just chalk it up to like? That's Nevada, baby. <laughs> these, That's just desert life. <laughs> yeah. These these people these people don't see many things happening in this town. Um and then they run into Lester and I've made a point of this. Lester feels like he's from Galway. There's something about this um the way he's dressed and the way he looks. Oh yeah, no, he gives big Gal- uh, Galway vibes. Yeah, like you'd you'd see him in the old fifty five. You'd see him like in Air Square. I feel like he'd be in a pub and he'd have a dog with him, and yeah. no one would say anything about the dog because that's he just always brings the dog. <laughs> but also, like his whole thing of like he paints, al- he paints his visions of alien abductions. That's so Galway. That uh, and he's try and he'd be selling a couple of them on Shop Street on the side. 
I actually do kind of like that. Yeah. I wish, we, I wish we had more alien abductees in this day. Exactly. We <laughs> just have a guy. We just have a guy with a bird's nest, like, living on him. Oh, his hat. His bird yes. nest hat. That's yes. cool. Yeah. I remember specifically uh, back. Uh, this is just a side, a quick side thing. I won't be long. Won't be long. Uh, back in the GCC days, if Thomas ever told you this, um, the documentary of mine that got chosen about homelessness, where basically our lecturer was like, "I like this idea, but we'll greenlight it under one condition: you have to pretend to be homeless for a night." Which so, also made it so ins- it felt so insensitive. I know, but also it's just kind of like that's how our lecturer was. She was she was cool, but like, she was also like she would come out with these wild ideas. You know, it is a cooler idea. It just feels kind of insulting. She always would go on about her mentor who taught at GMIT called Donal. Mm-hmm. So she was Donal's protege. So knowing that now makes that idea seem more yeah i get where that's coming from because you spend too much time with fucking donal or <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and so basically but this would have we shot this we, this was filmed just at the same point as the beast from the east was hitting mm-hmm. um for anyone who's not who's not aware of what the beast from the east was it was a snowstorm that hit in uh, around this time of year, actually, in 2017. Um, very big snowstorm, f- even for Irish standards. Like, so you meant there was a snowstorm? <laughs> yes. Um, and essentially, it, it hit on, like, a Wednesday, and we shot this on the Monday of that week, so everyone was getting prepared for it because everyone knew where it was. So we went out with all the cameras, only to be told... They've taken all the homeless people in. Yeah. So there was no actual, like, homeless people out on the streets. Good. <laughs> that night. Which is a very good thing yeah, like, for, like, how we handled them. But also extremely annoying for, like, us uh, and whatnot. So we couldn't actually interview any homeless people. Um, besides one guy, and it was the guy we talked about who has the bird's nest on his head. Okay. And Thomas was just, like, as producer... No, we're not bringing any of these equipments near him. He has a reputation for being, air quotes, stabby. <laughs> Stabby's a good descriptor, I think. But yeah, so Lester gives off very much eccentric Galwegian vibes. I feel that. Yes. Um, also, some neck on Fred dismissing the uh, idea of aliens... Bitch, you've fought zombies and witches. What is so wild about the existence of aliens? You know witchcraft is real. Those don't line up necessarily, though. He just knows magic is real. He doesn't believe in all that kooky spaceship. But, like, I, fe- I feel like it's w- it's weird to believe in, like, magic and not aliens. It's also fucking himbo Fred Jones. Like... But, like, this isn't... but. I I would accept it if this was like modern day himbo Fred. This is like Fred before they fully admit that he's a himbo. No, look at this. Look at this still. Look at that vacant expression on his face there. But this is before his whole character becomes I'm in love with Daphne and traps. 
That is true. He was, yes. was a character, I suppose. Yes, yeah. this is this is him just them slowly admitting, yeah, Fred's a bit of an idiot. Um. Uh, what do you think of the aliens' designs? Like the designs on the aliens themselves, like the big these ones, the big massive heads. I absolutely love it. I think it's really fun. I think they... I like that they didn't go for, like, the typical kind of gray alien look. Yeah, like you were saying, the... Like like how the alien... Uh, the masks look in Nope. Yeah, exactly. Like, um... Because I, I love that aesthetic as well, I think, is, like, really classic. But I think specifically for the story, it's much more fun that they have this sort of, like, wrinkly, froggy look. Yeah. I think it makes you... It it makes you think they're aliens from the get go, whereas I feel like if they were just looked like greys, you'd be like, "Those are probably yeah. people in costume." Uh, these kind of look like if someone was told, "Draw your deputy principal as an alien." Yeah. Yeah. Try and insult someone with a drawing is how these got made, boy. Yeah, like this is someone. <laughs> yeah, this this is someone's teeth. This is someone's like slightly, port. Slightly portly teacher, uh, drawn as a big green alien. Uh, I think they're really fun though, and I yeah. think they're really like they don't remind me of any other alien yeah. designs, which I think is actually pretty hard to do in animation. Hundred percent, and like when we this came out in like two thousand, so I'm not entirely sure how old you were because I think you're younger than me, but um, I would have been like maybe f- three, four I'm years old. Three. If this, if I, I don't know if I watched the, I can't remember if I watched this when it came out, but like I definitely watched it during my childhood. If I was a little younger, like if I was like three or four watching this, they would creep me out. Yeah, no, 100%. Absolutely. They look a bit like the Mars Attacks aliens as well. They do, they have that very like kind of like wrinkly, visceral, they, they feel really textured. Yeah. They and, feel, and everything else in it is like quite, everything else in the show is quite clean and smooth. Yeah. They and look, they feel gross. They look dried <laughs> out. Yes. And there, and again, uh, he, Owen just has some photos up on his telly from the movie and yeah, those bikes, <laughs> hilarious. They're fantastic. They um, are. So they, they get chased through the desert on the bikes. Yes. They look they look like um the voice, the chairs on the voice, uh, but like as hovercrafts. <laughs> <laughs> There's a button on them to turn around. Sorry. Just to also do this. Um but yeah, um but also uh the scene where they're in t- where they're trying to probe probe uh, Shaggy and Scooby. Maybe it's because of like the time when it came out or whatnot, but the le- the the inside of the spaceship gave off big vibes of the opening of Toy Story, Zerg's lair at the very end. Yeah. Maybe it's just like the black with the white kind of circular beams. Uh, but it's it it's giving off very. Buzz Lightyear fighting Zerg at the opening of, uh, Toy Story two. I think that was just how everyone viewed, like, alien yeah. future shit back then. Absolutely, very kind of sleek. I mean, in fairness, like it is like if you go back down there, there's this clip from two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. You can kind of tell. Yeah, like, white with, like, white and black panels is kind of how a lot of people saw spaceships at that point. Yeah, no, 100%. Yes. 
Uh, especially because also this is feeding, this is based off like 50s ghost stories as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then we've got, and then uh, they, but no, so they go to the town and they meet up with Lester. Lester shows them his paintings and then Shaggy and Scooby get abducted later that night when they're sleeping out on the roof. Mm-hmm. And then they come to and they meet Crystal. Crystal and Amber and if, I as I said, Lester gives off eccentric Galwegian vibes. Crystal gives off the vibe that she definitely worked in Kembali back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great time because I said in the last episode how many how many uh, people watched uh, Witch's Ghost and then went out and bought pentagrams at Kembali. No, it's, it's peace sign. Yeah. Well, no. If you see that, if you watch the Hex Girls, oh, the Hex Girls, then sorry. you go out and you buy the Kembali pentagrams, <laughs> and Crystal might have been working the till. <laughs> That's spot on. She does give off that vibe. She does. She's also a prototype of like Mary Jane from the live action ones, I think. Or it's like this is what they, but done better. Yeah, I. That's been my thing that I've been saying for the last two episodes. If you watch all four of these uh, films and then you watch the two live action ones, you can tell that the live action ones are basically picking and choosing all of the all different elements from these four films and then becoming and then making it into this. Like, as I said, Zombie Island, the gang comes back together after being apart that's basically the crux of the story for the first one. Um, you have Witch's Ghost, which, hmm, which which had Tim Curry. Tim Curry was going to be the villain in the first live action film, but uh, pulled out because of how much he hated Scrappy-Doo. This film has Shaggy falling in love. Le- the Cyber Chase has different versions of the gang from like the past and bringing in a bunch of different villains for them to fight which is again very much kind of the crux of the second live action film mm-hmm. so like, there's just a bunch of different ideas also uh, Velma having a love interest because they kind of make uh, Tim Curry's character and Velma's character oh yeah they have a little thing yeah, so that's very much a setup for Seth Green's character in the second one, but with a slightly different outcome, thankfully. <laughs> um, yeah, so like a lot of these, these basically gave the live action movies all their best ideas, but also kind of did those ideas better because like the dynamic between Shaggy, Scooby, Crystal Amber is the best thing in this movie. It is ridiculously wholesome. It's so wholesome, it's so cute, and even their, like, little romantic montages, like, I was invested. It yeah. was fun. I, I, didn't, I didn't brush over, it was actually, like, visually entertaining. Yes. Also, a lovely little uh, Easter egg of, like, seeing the gang in their original costumes, because this is, again, this movie kind of has a, a variations of it, but, like, you see in that montage, it's absolutely their 1969 for episode one outfits yeah like all the outfits we associate with them it's just it's in that one shot but it works because later on they make the joke why mess with a classic look (laughs) i do love i feel like there was a huge amount of self-awareness by the time these films came out which i like like they knew 
what they were making and that it had been made for 50 years. Yeah, already. like, they're always throwing in, like, these kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge jokes. Like, at the end, like, literally, Fred has that, they have that line at the end when Amber talks and just like, Would you believe that, Scoob? A talking dog. And then Fred's <laughs> like, Yeah, could you imagine? <laughs> But also, it's it's strange to kind of see how wholesome this is when, in live action form, you know, f- uh, the romance is like there's there's weed jokes in yeah. in the live action one, right? This is literally just like so wholesome, um, and yeah, no, it's just it's it's because also this is the loosest one in terms of plot, like there's no, no one kind of being like, yeah, you've got to go from this and this we gotta inter- interrogate this person see if this person's good or bad this kind of thing it's very loose like they stumble upon this it's not like oh we we someone has come asking for help this is literally just our car broke down and now we're dealing with aliens i do think it's kind of perfect for the topic though just because like with ufology and stuff, whenever you're looking at the stories, it's never the people who are, like, hunting aliens that yes. have the accounts. It's always someone who's broken down in the desert and is doing something else. Something Absolutely. unrelated. Because also, once you... Because, dis- like, literally, it this is different because it's aliens. Once you see the aliens, that is kind of... Everything revolves around, you know, once you see them to be real. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, this witch is real, we need to stop them. It's like, holy shit, this is aliens. Yeah. You know? Uh, But yeah, and so, and and hand, round of applause for Mook for doing that uh, musical number, that groovy number. It's so good. It's it's just really cute. Which one was that for the... Mook, that's the Japanese animation studio. Which number? Which? Uh, the she's groovy number. Oh the 60s, god, that's so good. Yeah, the sixties hippie, which again, like, uh, very. Th- this was this period of time when uh, a lot of these uh animated movies from our childhood had like this thing for the sixties. Because also, again, recess schools out very heavy on the sixties. Like the entire, literally the entire end credits for that is just a. A sixties hippie hippie song. Really? Yeah. How did you watch Schools Out when you were a kid? I definitely did, but I don't. I, it wasn't something that I like went back to. I've seen it once on TV. Like, like there's a whole thing like kind of set in the late sixties, where where it's kind of like the backstory of like young, uh, Principal Prickly, young Finster, who they make hot, which is, deeply kind of. Odd and disturbing. Young Finster. Oh. But also, she has the same voice. I, I kind of hate that, like, so much. <laughs> <laughs> I find that really upsetting. Also, that makes you think she goes from that to Finster in just 30 years. Wait, Finster's supposed to be 40? No, no, this, like, like basically, that's, like, set in, like, the tail end of the 60s, like, oh, the hippie movement is dying down. Oh, okay. Even though, like, it's 1969, it's the peak of the hippies. <laughs> that's the 70s, you idiots. But, like, so that's 1969, and, you know, 
Finster, that's like 2000. So like that's 30 years. What did she do in 30 years to age that bad? Well, you know, the heroin epidemic was really terrible at the time. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. But, um, yeah, but yeah. So, like, as I said, it's just, it's really weird. It's just really nice to see, like, the live action movies maintaining this wholesomeness that, you know, James Gunn and whatnot was not able to transfer over. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels more padded for time. Than the last ones, but again, the filler is really it's fun filler. It's nice filler. This yeah. is this is the most charming one of these. It doesn't feel like it's wasting your time. It yes. feels like it's just no. This the is aliens just, aren't the whole story. Yes, either. we're doing something different. We're giving like we're giving Shaggy and Scooby like a nice arc, you know. And it's really funny to see them uh, kind of trying to basically smarten up how they dress. And like puff out the chest. Oh yeah. Doing the Conor McGregor, like the Conor McGregor big lats. <laughs> <laughs> Walking like they've the shirt hanger still in their shirt. Um uh, I did find it funny how the guards literally give away that they're looking for aliens. Which is just terrible even for paid guards. Like they but like Shaggy and Crystal bump into the guards up at the up at the like watchtowers and whatnot and they're just like what are you guys doing and then they're very much like you know we're looking for aliens and like <laughs> you you are shit at this job <laughs> um it is a nice twist on the previous two where it's like the alien the monsters are real but the monsters are good guys in this and mm-hmm. the humans are the bad guys but like it's not humans can't humans bad but also monsters real and bad this is monsters real and good and humans bad because they're looking for gold which again plays into that whole kind of before this region was known for aliens it was known for prospectors and gold Mm. um i do think though that they do waste mark hamill because like who was Mark Hamill in it? He was Steve, the head, the main uh, scientist. Which I is, did not know yeah, Mark Hamill like, was like, in this. And I'm yeah, like, like, you should know that Mark Hamill's in this. Like, he he played, um, he was in Zombie Island. Yeah. And you remember who he was in that. He was the guy with the trawler. Yeah. Yeah, like, because it's Mark Hamill and you don't just make him villain number so-and-so. I feel like I always have an ear for Mark Hamill's voice as well. Like, when I hear it, I'm like, oh, shit, it's Mark Hamill, and it kind of bums me out that I didn't notice. Yeah, like, this is another one where it's, like, Mark we, Mark was in, Mark Hamill was in, like, the Warner Brothers uh, Kate canteen, and they're just like, you do us a solid and being a Scooby-Doo movie, we need you for one day. But also the character is just, like, it's it's a boring character as opposed to... This is a character that would really work for him. And also he's in the canteen. Oh, yes, go get him. It's like, no, this is just, we don't have, we literally don't have anyone else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and like the villains do feel like an afterthought because it's all based around the aliens. Yeah, I kind of like, I knew that it, it turned out that it was, that the aliens weren't real. I could not remember the motivation when I was yeah. going. I was like, I know that it's probably like, their theme park shutting down or there's gold somewhere or (laughs) but also it's like considering the first one was just like we're cat people and we need to live 
by like taking people's life force and the last one is my ancestor was a witch and they burnt her at the stake so it's all about vengeance this is like we don't get paid well as scientists <laughs> but now the economy's we, in shambles but, but now but now we sell gold and this is how we're able to afford those awesome costumes those hover bikes and a fucking helicopter with a cover that's a UFO. Yeah, here's my thing. is I'm like, maybe if you spent less money on all the alien props, yeah. you wouldn't need to sell quite as much gold. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and this is the... Like, it's the lightest in tone of all of these... Uh, move, uh, all, all of this trilogy. Because it's like... It's kind of scary, but, like, it's not as... Like, it's a lot funnier. Yeah. Like, it's definitely it feels the funniest. Goofiest. But again... I just think, you know, it's one of those things where it's like they went for a goofier story, but like it just it works. Yeah. Because you have really likable characters, obviously, and you have like a really interesting story. Like, what would happen if these goofballs actually found the perfect people for them? It just happens to be that they're aliens. <laughs> Who, by the way, I don't know if this was Mook's idea or whether it was uh, Warner Brothers kind of being like, you're a Japanese. Do you wanna, could you make the actual aliens look as Pokemon-y as possible? You think it gives off Pokemon vibes? Pokemon as people, though. No, I think it has, like, weird sort of, like... But definitely has... Godzilla anim- canon Anime vibes. vibes, I mean... It does. Um... I mean, I think, I think Amber in her alien form yeah kind of looks like a pokemon or at least like a sketch of a pokemon that kind of like work on a little bit maybe add some color to it actually now that you've said it i can yeah no they do give off really if 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 crystal's alien she looked a bit less like a woman than like a person in terms of shape it would be a pokemon yeah, she I she kind of also kind of looks like maybe like a little bit of Pokemon, a little bit of like Yu Gi Oh, uh, card, mm-hmm. kind of like a feminine. Like I remember, I can't remember the name of a certain Yu Gi Oh card, but she looks like the feminized version of that. But um, yeah. So we'll get into post production, just uh very quickly. This was released on home video on the third of October in two thousand. Uh, it had to deal with a 1999 copyright. So it had to deal with a copyright from the previous century. What does that... I don't... I don't know. Basically, some minor legal things in terms of its release. Is this some Y2K bullshit where it's like, where the it's computer like, didn't know? <laughs> or maybe it didn't, like, count. Uh, they had to, like, do some extra pay for it because it's, like, the copyright was from a different century. And maybe, I don't know, because again, like, I don't know what the laws were, because it's like, this only happens once every hundred years. Um, It was the end of an era in many regards. Uh, It was the last Scooby-Doo film released before the death of William Hanna and the subsequent shutdown of Hanna-Barbera Productions. And that's why Cyberchase sucked. Yes, because <laughs> Hannah died in like two thousand one. Oh shit! And like, and so obviously he, I think he died before, the Cyber Chase came out, and obviously these movies can get made quickly. I mean, the turnaround, yeah. Zombie Island was ninety eight. Yeah, like we're gonna have one every. Yeah, you know, 2003 will be the next time, and even then, I think there is an animated. I think it set the tone for like, 
the next decade as well though like they have more or less been churning out like at least one if not two animated films a year yeah yeah uh so this was the last one before Hanna Barbera shut down uh but again at this point Hanna Barbera had kind of been losing independence steadily for years because they had been bought by so many different people mm-hmm. Warner Brothers had had them for almost a decade now pretty much mm-hmm. uh the only reason these got made were they got bought was because they launched Cartoon Network in the mid 90s and they needed stuff to fill out the later hours and that's how Scooby-Doo caught on with a new generation of stoners. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, they bought Hanna-Barbera because they needed, you know, the, oh, something that's going to be on at, like, 11 at night and after so the were kids have gone to bed. And so you stoned college students watching it. Yeah, they're Beautiful. watching, like, Wacky Races and Flintstones and a lot of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Because they're just like, oh, Scooby-Doo's really doing well at this hour. Well, let's do, let's put on more and more reruns. <laughs> Um, I mean, of course, uh, Kids and Stoners, that's this series' two biggest... Uh, Demos. Yes. Um, <laughs> it was the last Scooby-Doo film to be animated with hand cell painted. Yeah. After Cyber Chase was the first digital. So, you know, again... The hand yeah. cells are just so pretty, though, and you can really, like... From specifically Zombie Island, like... like the the trilogy yes the hand cell animation is actually like, like you, my favorite fucking thing. like if you look here in the background we're looking at a shot from this it's a uh, fred velma and daphne with lester over by an exit door in the even the canteen area but, but it's like you can kind of even see the kind of shades on the wall to make it look like you know one of those kind of rock yeah, like, Illusions. They, they add so much texture because there was hand-painted, and I think that that was lost a little bit. With I'm gonna stop. But no, digital no. animation can still be good. I just think that with Cyber Chase specifically, I feel like you lost a lot of that texture yeah. and, like, tone. Because it was too... Also, it was just... It was it was very... It was, very, it was also almost too sleek. In a yeah, it was, it was so Chase. clean. Yes. Um, it was the last Scooby-Doo film to use a Time Warner end byline at the at the finish, because two thousand one, Time Warner mix uh was merged with AOL, which was a fucking business disaster. Yeah. They lost billions in that merger. <laughs> like, like the I I feel like the reason Warner Brothers has always been financially shaky in this day and age is still. Due Rele- to AOL? Relevance, yeah, because again, like, the AOL bubble popped in the early 2000s, which is when they merged for uh, however much money, you know? God, that's tragic. Because always it, cause always it ends up getting brought back because um, uh, Warner Brothers used... Uh, there used to be a wrestling promotion that ran on Warner's. It always had, like, the backing of, like, Ted Turner... And in the year 2000, it had a nightmare year and lost, like, millions upon millions of dollars. And it got ca- and the show got cancelled in early 2001 and it got bought out. So it went out of business because when the new owners with uh, AOL and whatnot came in, they were just like, oh, it's beneath us to have wrestling on our channel. And then they lost how much money? Yeah. They lost, ad- like... Five or six times, however much money, and at the bare minimum, what that show lost, that company lost in two thousand. That's so fucking. Funny, so it's right? just like turn around is fair play, but um, 
it was the last one to use the old Hanna-Barbera sound effects. So, like, some of these sound effects that is in this movie would have been recorded, like, in the late 60s and had just been constantly used. And it's the last time they were used after that. Warner Brothers were recording the sound effects themselves and Cartoon Network. I mean, it's probably good to update sound effects, but, but I'm also... Yeah. Um, something you've fun got, about using dated ones. It was the last film to have Mary Kay Bergman as Daphne because um, she died in 1999. Oh, uh, it was very unfortunate. Um, yes. Uh, the film is dedicated in her memory. It had a Burger King cross-motion cross toy line that you kind of saw in that video earlier. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, it wasn't related to anything in this film. It was all like the classic 60s. Wait, really? Yeah. I so, assumed it was like aliens from this. No. It was all based on like... From what it said in, like, the IMDb, it was all based on, yeah, the old oh, fuck, series. Yeah. yeah it has, like, is... the, the Ghost Knight and I don't know what the, the actual names of the yeah. movies are. Um, the same song was sung by Jennifer Love Hewitt. Weird. But again, the last one had Billy, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus singing it as well, so that's also weird. It makes sense, but it's weird. Yes. Um, and then just trilogy ranking just at the end here. Um... Zombie Island, Alien Invaders, Witches Ghost. In that order? Yeah, I still think Zombie Island just because... No, Zombie Island beats it. It works on some, on every level. I think Zombie Island goes harder with all the spooky shit. I yeah. think it like, pushes the envelope a little more. I do... See, I love Witches Ghost. I think it's really fun and I love the Hex Girls. But I don't think it's quite... It's not... It doesn't do yeah. it for me quite as much as this one. I'd yeah. actually, I'd have the same rating as you, annoyingly. Yeah, this, <laughs> this just has the vibes. Yeah. Yeah. D- this immaculate is, vibes. This is the best one on a vibe level. And just the aesthetic is fucking nice. And it's just, it's, it's, I feel like it's also just the nicest one to watch. I think it's a pleasant story. It's and there's not, one. with the other ones, it, it gets kind of dark. Yeah. Which I love, but it doesn't, it. Yeah. It's not as family friendly. Yeah, this this one is just I feel like it's the easiest one to watch where it's just like you got you you want to put something on in the background this. You don't need to pay attention as much. Yeah. But um yeah, but again like to be the second second on this list is a high praise because the first one is Zombie Island. Which know. is arguably the Yes. Dare I say the best Scooby Doo media made of all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that or like Mystery Incorporated. Mystery Inc was good. I I think I still prefer Zombie, Zombie Island. Yeah. I think it has, it, again, I'm a hoper for hand-drawn cells, you know? Yeah. No. But uh, just to, so quickly wrap it up, this is a gr- this is one that's really good? Absolutely. Yes. It's It's got the best vibes. It does. It's probably one of the weaker stories out of the trilogy, but it makes up for it with campy musical numbers. Yes. And desert alien chases. Yes. Oh, my Easter egg. Yes. And and I may be reading into it too much, but there's one point where we see a bunch of alien merchandise and it looks exactly like the plush from Nope. Nice. And I like to think Jordan Peele took it from Alien Invasion. And so that about does it for this episode of the Macho Movie Man podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank you all very much for your continued support of the podcast. I know... It's been a bit slow with output recently, uh, you know, trying to balance everyone else's jobs, you know, all of, all of our guests seems to either be 
leaving the country for a few months or getting second and third jobs on the side or moving to Sligo. <laughs> I also want to say, you can blame, like, a month of it on Christmas. Oh, yeah, no, I, de- I, just... I said that in the last one. I'm just like, there was no way I could do a series where, like, the co-host is Dean, who, by the way, took a break from this episode because of his tremendous performance last time out. Fantastic. And also just because I said it to him, just like, I'll record with Owen by myself just because Owen's schedule is becoming tighter by the day. It is. He's le- you're leaving us for... You are leaving us for uh, Alien Invaders country. I am. Uh, it, by the end of the week. Uh, but you'll be back. You'll be back. I will. And I might be... I should be able to um, potentially yes. call in. I want to try and figure out how to do that. Absolutely. That would be awesome, dude. I, I, can, be, I can be your LA correspondent. <gasps> Horror and LA correspondent. <laughs> that would be cool. But, um, yeah, and so basically, uh, I ju- we, we said uh, for the Witch's Ghost apologies for the delay on the second episode, Dean was working three jobs in December. There was no way I was going to be like, could you find time? Just in between some shifts, yeah. Especially when it's like, I also have a job that has me working five days a week. <laughs> and on hours that I don't know until a week in advance. Yeah. Like, I'm literally, next week is the day I'm like, the day after Valentine's, I'm in at nine in the morning until six in the evening. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's not a podcast yeah. today. No, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's uh, best, all, all the luck to you in the States. Thank you. Thank you um, for having me. Yes, of course. Of it was course. really fun to talk about. Thank you. Get me on yeah. for anything to do with aliens, just in future. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you, you and Brennan are like the aliens, guys. I like to think so. Because he cover because I usually I would maybe go Brennan for aliens just because you also have horror, mm-hmm. and Brennan kind of doesn't have a title, per se. Yes, but he's the one you get for when you want cringy road trip com- buddy comedies. If yes. you're doing Euro trip or anything like that, it's Brennan. I mean that that idea I ca- I said to you for a series may end up involving at least one cringy road trip movie. I'm very excited. Oh, that would be fun. But um, yeah, and so uh, once again, thank you very much. Uh, again, we I just uploaded last night my January diary episode for all the movies I watched in January twenty twenty three. That included a review, a little snippet of a review for Babylon, oh, nice which is one. a movie we were discussing earlier before we started recording. Um, and hopefully, maybe tonight or tomorrow or whenever I get the time, I'm going to uh, bring out the nominations for the Macho Movie Awards. I've been working very hard on those. You need to give me more details about this. I didn't know you were doing this. I love this so much. Uh, well, I usually do it on my Instagram, but I'm going to do it on Instagram and the podcast this year. So, like, there'll be an episode announcing the nominations. I might actually get a bunch of uh, regulars from the show to maybe record them the announcements. Give, yeah, announcing the awards. I think maybe not the for the nominations, but, like, for the actual and the winner goes yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I, I, I'm on a few kind of film buff Facebook pages, so that's where I tend to, like, give out the reviews. Because I know, as much as I would love the feedback from the gremlins and whatnot, I know I don't want to be like, here are the nominees, and then to be like, 
Haven't seen this film. Haven't seen this film. Haven't seen. This I film, will if you give me if you give me a handful of nominees. I will watch all the films. Oh sorry. no no! <laughs> you, guys, you guys are getting voting for the horror category. Oh sweet okay. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Yes, that's the one where it's like, I've had actually the nominations secured on that for a while now. Oh, really? Well, yeah, because like, all of the good horror movies from last year actually came out last year, as opposed to, you know, if you're looking for the dramatic categories, it's going to be like, you're going to be waiting until this early February before you can see all the major ones. Like, you know, I didn't want to bring out a best actor category without having seen The Whale. That's a very good shout, honestly, yeah. yeah. Which can be very annoying. But, um, yeah, so those will be out soon, and I'll try to get in touch with folks about potentially sending in some uh, win- some readings for giving the awards out, you know, Fantastic. which I think that would be a really nice idea. Uh, obviously, the, the winner would be kind of known by that point. Mm-hmm. But, um, yes, I'll get in touch with folks. Um, so that's what's coming up soon, and then next time we are going into the cyber we're running. We're chasing into that cyber. Ooh. Yeah. Who, who's guesting on that? Uh, I think it will just be a regular me and Dean. Fantastic. Yes. Maybe Brandon will be there. Maybe Siege will be there. See who needs to be there to, we'll fi- see. to, to fill it. We'll see. Yeah, because they all, a lot of, a lot of them are now living together. All the people who aren't leaving are, uh, are now living together. Yes. Oh. But, um... Yeah, uh, so that's what's coming up next on the podcast. Thank you all very much for listening, for your continued support. Uh, as I said, 2023, we're going to be having a lot more content coming out, fingers crossed. And I hope to see you all in the rest of the year and to, for your continued support. Thank you very much. Uh, have a lovely day, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye.